So little did my wife and I know when we bought our house, our neighborhood takes fireworks seriously. Like half a dozen houses shooting off an hour's worth of the not so legal ones kind of serious. It was kind of cool. Hey everybody and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whenever it is that you're joining us. Whether you've realized it or not, you're listening to the Uncurated Catholic Show, where we celebrate the random, the messy, and the real. I'm your host, Torin Burke, youth minister and teacher by day, and writer and obsessive thinker by night, and somewhere in between, I like to sit down and share what's been on my heart and occupy my mind. Right here, each and every week, we may chat about God, life, Victorian poetry, movie reviews, cartography, goofy pet names, really whatever seems worth sharing, all in the time it takes me to drink my morning coffee. So grab yourself a cup of whatever works for you, and before we begin today's show, make sure you check me out at tornburke.com, where you can follow the show on Instagram at uncuratedcatholic. Let's get to it. So a very happy belated 4th of July to you all. It happens to be well past dinner time, so I've opted out of the traditional coffee that I normally have on the show for a White Claw hard seltzer. It's one of my go-tos on a hot day, and not only was it hot today, I had to really sweat it out messing around with one of my car tires. It keeps giving me trouble. It's a mess, but here we are, and God is good. So I was skimming through Facebook the other day, and in between firework photos and the normal like politically charged rants, I spotted a post on one of the groups I'm part of uh, for youth ministers. It's a group of us from all over the country, and we swap ideas and share different things. And the post was from a guy down in Florida, if I remember correctly, talking about how he was able to have some of his youth group kids come in to help him with something, you know, like socially distanced and all that, while he kept overhearing bits of the conversation between some of the kids. And he wanted to share it with us so that we were kind of aware in case we spot something similar amongst our own groups. Well, the kids were apparently stressed out. And that is nothing unique or weird, right? Teenagers are stressed out a lot, right? Especially nowadays. Uh, But they were acting differently than normal. I guess this youth minister had known them for a decent amount of time and just something struck him as odd. Well, eventually he pieced the situation together. These particular kids were stressed that they had not posted an anti-racist social media post that particular day. And while they had faithfully posted and filled their stories and with heaps of sympathetic content, if they missed a day and it looked like they were going to be missing a day because they were helping this guy, you know, in the office doing whatever, right? That they were genuinely worried that their friends would think they were a racist. Like this was something that they were carrying in their heart. Like, let that sink in for a sec. And it may seem easy to say, oh, well, these these are just some random kids from Florida, perhaps. But I've been around the block long enough to know that young people today are so tied together through social media that like fads and pressures and whatever else tend to be more far-reaching than just a few particular kids in a few, like a particular state, in a particular area, right? Like... If these kids were feeling these things, I would almost guarantee that they are not alone because their virtual role models and influences are are not just theirs, right? They have been followed. These particular influences have millions of followers, I'm sure. So these kids are kind of getting the message, which means other kids in other parts of the country, perhaps, are getting the same message. So to me, this was a curious thing and honestly kind of heartbreaking. These kids... I don't know them, right? But from what it sounds like and just from, you know, kind of what I've put together 
are obviously not harboring ill will towards certain communities, right? <laughs> and yet they are so paranoid about the public opinion of whether they are or not, right? That they are allowing themselves to be bullied into saying what others want them to say. Like, what is the quota for anti-racist posting? Like once a day for eternity, can you group them together? Say like five a day for three days. That way the other four days you can get back to sharing your funny cat pictures. Like what exactly is the standard and where does this standard come from? This is, these are real questions that I have. Now to be clear, I have no problem at all in people expressing themselves on social media. That's what it's there for, right? And I think we should in some way or another overcome our fear, right? To witness to the good, the true, and the beautiful, right? I'm, I'm all for posting things that you know are good, that you know people need to hear, even if that makes us uncomfortable a little bit. I think that's good. I think that's healthy. I think we should clearly and passionately oppose racism, sexism, and anything else which prevents us from seeing each other as daughters and sons of God. Of course. However, at what point does it seem like we are being unauthentic, right? At what point does it seem like we are no longer representing ourselves? At what point does it seem like others have taken our voice? I would offer that if a young person is bugging out over missing one day of posting a particular message, not because they themselves desire it in the heart, but because of the perceived injustice right, put on them in missing a day, then that's gone too far. Something is wrong there. I think social pressure happens too much as it is, and while it seems heartening that masses of people seemingly represent something positive, are they really representing it? You know, deep in their hearts, do they even really care? Or do they really just care in looking like they do? Is there any like true victory in that and people just kind of hitching their, you know, hitching their cart to the bandwagon and, you know, waiting for the whole thing to kind of die off. Right. I mean, is that, is that true victory? Right. Is that true passion for a purpose, passion for a cause? I don't know. Anyways. So, you know, this youth minister didn't really offer anything further on the matter. He didn't share how he handled it or what came of the whole thing. I imagine the kids went home and, you know, after helping him continued their litany of posting Right. Um, but I pray that they and other young people in that situation find the truth in life and discern how best to witness to it in their own ways, because that is how change happens. So, 4th of July, freedom, America, fireworks, hamburgers, whatever vegetarians eat instead on 4th of July, it's a great time. Um, it's always a fun time of year. My wife has family that live out on the water in Rhode Island, so we go out and enjoy some R&R. But, you know, under all this fun and amidst all this fun, we do have to recall what it's all about. I, I think when it comes to holidays, right, we tend to kind of be like those kids in Florida, you know? We we share our standard posts and kind of go about our business. Like, you know, with Christmas, us Christian types, we like to shoot out our Keep Christ in Christmas post. Well, 4th of July comes around and we have our awesome flags and fireworks and freedom posts waiting in the wings, ready to be unleashed. But do we really stop to think about freedom? I hate to think about it. I know that's weird to say. It's like Lent, you know? I, I hate sacrificing things, but I know it's good for me, right? 
you know, really thinking about freedom, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable because it's one of those words that on the outside sounds so great. But then you realize that while it is more than great, actually, it demands something of us. It's like when we see the word freedom, our eyes kind of like check out after the first four letters, right? Like it's 4th of July, it's the fourth day of the month, so I'll just stick to the first four letters of the word. We turn freedom into free, and we focus on that free part. And that's one of the most dangerous things, I think, because it tricks us into thinking that what we believe freedom to be comes at no cost. There is an obvious cost, right? which I hope we remember throughout the year, not just on one day, but throughout the whole year, the blood, the sweat, the tears, right? the, that are the price of maintaining freedom, from the boots on the ground to the suits and the congressional debates to each individual who respects the freedom of others. It's not a given. It must be maintained and cherished. I saw some other things on social media recently, um, and, and a, there was a quote that I really liked from Pope St. John Paul II. And anytime Pope St. John Paul II put pen to page, it's worth reading. I really do believe that. Uh, there are those authors that just seem so incredibly wise, and Pope St. John Paul II is one of those. Or, or any anytime he like spoke and it was recorded, Find those audio files and listen to them because it's undoubtedly worth it. However, when it comes to something like freedom, right, you really best pull up a chair and pay attention. The man knew a thing or two about freedom. Not only did he have a firm grasp on the true freedom offered by Jesus Christ, right, he was a very faithful, spirited man who knew Jesus, who had a deep relationship with Jesus, right? That freedom from sin and death. He also knew about the freedom or lack thereof found in society. He knew what communism looked like, right? He knew what it was like to not be allowed to practice his faith in the public sphere. He knew what it was like to see communism fade away to promising new horizons. He knew what it was like to fight for freedom. He knew firsthand how important it is. And if you've never read, you know, a biography on Carol Votiwa on Pope St. John Paul II, do so. Um, beyond the spiritual thought-provoking elements, right, from his sonship of, of God, right, to his, his role as shepherd, as spiritual father, he also just lived an incredible life. And I think God bless the fact that there are so like so many really good biographies about him now that we we really cracked open an awareness of some of the incredible things that he'd experienced and, and done in his life. Um, it's becoming a lot more common conversation to discuss, you know, some of the, the cool stories. If you're not familiar with any of them, then get familiar with them. Find a biography of Carol Votiwa of Pope St. John Paul II and read it. Because everything from, you know, his time working in the theater and doing like underground performances because the regime in that day and age did not allow it to his studying in seminary under secret, you know, um, 
conditions, you know, trying to study without the government being aware to his battling with the regime when he took on higher and higher levels within the church, higher and higher levels of responsibility. It's an incredible, incredible thing. And his humility of working with like college students and going on hikes and celebrating sacrament in the, in the context of beautiful nature, an incredible, incredible man. Um, at the, at the, at the heart of his message, right. Was a deep awareness of the importance of freedom. And so I saw, and I subsequently kind of refashioned and repackaged and put out on my own uh, uncurated Catholic uh, account, right, his, his definition of freedom. And I think his definition of freedom is worth hanging on to, right? He says, freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. And boy, does that hit me every time. Freedom does not mean anarchy. <laughs> because if we lived our freedom that way, we would quickly realize that we no longer felt free. It's kind of funny, right? I, I discuss this with my students. Whenever I'm talking you know, about this stuff with them, I always like to ask them a couple questions to kind of deliver the point. Right? So I'd ask them something like, you know, how many of you have a room full of cool stuff at home? You know, or, or you know, what's your favorite thing? Something like that. And they, they raise their hands. And then how many of you are worried that your stuff or your favorite thing will be there when you get home from school? And the hands kind of go down. Then I ask, how free would you feel if your stuff was subject to disappearing? Like, imagine if stealing wasn't illegal. Everyone was quote-unquote free to take whatever they wanted. Well, you probably wouldn't feel like you could leave your house. Right, You would feel like you had to stay there and protect your belongings. You wouldn't want to go more than a couple minutes away from home right? because you'd, you'd be so worried about the possibility of somebody taking your stuff. Well, isn't it awesome that because of law and order, we're able to freely travel right? and not only freely travel, have a reasonable belief that our stuff isn't going to just up and walk away. Theft happens, but we're incredibly privileged to be able to walk outside our house or our apartment or our home or whatever and not have to just be dreading the possibility of it, right? Because we know that there are ramifications, right? We know that people are not free to do that. And if they make that choice, then there are things that will happen, right? Freedom doesn't like override natural law, right? Or the good or the just. We are truly free when we realize how our Lord calls us to live our lives as a child of God and a neighbor of others, right? And we're afforded the opportunity to live it out. That is freedom. And it isn't a freedom that keeps us inward and only interested in ourselves, but it's a freedom that benefits us all. Society is better for it. So, what can we as Christians do to help promote freedom? Well, first off, obviously respecting it for what it is, okay? Second, to do our part in defending it, right? Both from influences which may try to limit it here locally, um, as well as all of the things that might try to influence and limit it from abroad. I think we get this false impression that our, that our faith 
right? It kind of exists outside of us, right? Instead of animating us, right? We have politicians who separate their convictions from how they act in politics as if, as if people cannot vote on the entirety of a person to represent them. And, you know, I, I think just be upfront with your convictions and let the people choose. Maybe they want somebody who holds certain truths and maybe those truths are in line with a, with a Christian worldview. Maybe not, but it's silly to kind of compartmentalize ourselves and just to push our faith off to the corner right? Like, oh, I'm a senator. Yeah, I'm also a Catholic, but first and foremost, I'm a senator and my faith doesn't inform the way I act as senator. Well, that's silly, right? That's not real faith. And maybe the people you represent don't want somebody with those worldviews representing them and they have a right to elect you or a right to not elect you. The choice is on, on the part of the people. However, I think it's outrageous to hide something which should be so fundamental to who you are, right? We, you know, we Catholics sometimes gloss over the fact that there actually was a Catholic signer to the Declaration of Independence. I know I, I personally think most of the founding fathers, or think of them rather, as being kind of these Protestants. And yeah, most were, but we had Charles Carroll of Carrollton, right? Uh, he's right there at the bottom of the Declaration, right? A few names under Hancock, right in the middle of the, the signature area. And I actually read somewhere that he was poked at for being Catholic. He got a lot of flack for it. And after signing uh, Charles Carroll to the document, which is his name, someone was like jeering him, right? Poking at him that such a common name was not really all that incriminating. So some more unique names, right? Really sealed the deal and made the signer you know, take on this position as a, as a traitor to the crown. However, you know, proving which Charles Carroll actually signed the document would have been more care, would have been more difficult. It was kind of a more common name. So supposedly he, after signing, he walked back to the document and added of Carrollton <laughs> to the end of his name, just to make sure it was clear who he was. So you can actually go and see, and you see Charles Carroll of Carrollton. So there's uh there's no, a misunderstanding as to who he actually was. It's a cool story and one which, you know, should move us to see that the faithful ought not to really shy away from public service. In fact, if we really believe in the gospel message, then we ought to wave that message proudly for the good of all. So third and finally, we should pray for freedom. Yes, we could, you know, act in the public sphere, but that is not instead of praying. We need both. We should pray for a better realization of true freedom here. And we should pray for the freedom of the whole world. And with all those in mind, I hope that we do not, you know, just keep these thoughts to 4th of July, one day a year. But I really hope that we reflect on them every single day so that we can really appreciate the gift of freedom all the more. But my glass is empty, which means that's all for this episode of the Uncurated Catholic Show. I cannot thank you enough for tuning in and listening. Again, you can reach me at torrenburke.com or on Instagram at uncuratedcatholic. If you have any questions or suggestions for future topics, always feel free to reach out. I'm always down to chat about whatever comes to your heart, too. Make sure you tune in next week, and why don't we part ways with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of our freedom. We ask you to protect all those who go about defending freedom around the world. 
and open our hearts and open our minds to the reality that not all are gifted in such a way. So allow us to be the instruments of freedom in the world. Allow us to bring freedom into the farthest corners of the world so that all may come to know the true, the good, and the beautiful through it. And we can do nothing without the strength of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in his name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All the best. God love you. Benedictus Domino. Let us bless the Lord.